Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1291 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday here in early August. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the podcast, making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. on the audio side, YouTube on the video side. And I really do appreciate everybody checking out the podcast, as always. It's been a little bit of a downtime. In the NBA, of course, not a whole lot going on. And through that lens, I'm actually taking a sort of a big picture look over the next couple episodes. I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Bill DeFilippo from Uprock Sports and Dime. He's one of my editors and co-workers over there at Dime. We talk about basketball all the time, and now we're taking it in front of the microphones at this point. And over three, yes, three episodes this is actually going to be part one of three Talking about Eastern Conference, sort of some, some team capsules, see how teams were changed in the offseason, uh, see how teams project in the offseason as well, bet on lines, future odds, and uh, win totals are out at this point, so I'll touch on a little bit of that as well. And then, of course, uh, at some point along the way, we'll talk about the Hawks all the way through, as well as a full-on Hawks look at some point on these three podcasts as well with myself and Bill. So a informative conversation happening, obviously, uh, over a couple of different episodes here. But please stay tuned. Roll over to part two when that comes, part three, et cetera, as they'll be arriving next week. This is actually going to be part one setting on its own on this Thursday into Friday. And then we'll have more next week with Bill and I. There is a little bit of news, though. At the top of the show, uh, not a huge news thing. I will just certainly admit that right now. But as we knew heading into July and into August, et cetera, the Hawks are going to be playing at least two of their games. They sort of been, have been scheduled in the preseason. And basically, the Hawks are going to be playing the Bucks over in Abu Dhabi in early October. That was already announced. We, we just talked about it on the podcast. October 6th, October 8th. That is two legs of the Hawks exhibition schedule at this point in time. And the league's been touting those games as the first in the UAE and the Arabian Gulf, et cetera. Earlier this week, though, the Pelicans announced their schedule for the preseason at this point in time, and it includes the Hawks in an interesting spot. So on Friday, October 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern time, the Hawks are going to Birmingham, actually, to play a game a game in the Legacy Arena. That's the home of the Pelicans G League team over in Birmingham. Also, the finale for the Pelicans. I would imagine if I had to guess, it'll be the last game for the Hawks as well. That's not confirmed at this point in time because the Hawks have not announced their schedule in full. But that'll be a home game for New Orleans, technically, but again, in Birmingham. So I know there are a lot of Hawks fans in Alabama or on the west side of Georgia that might like to go to Birmingham. Uh, sort of a close drive. I'm sure that I will be there, barring something crazy happening because it's not that far away. A pretty interesting sort of uh, exhibition spot standalone. And again, it could be the last opportunity to see the Hawks before the opener, which has not been scheduled just yet. But usually it's in that you know mid to late October range for the entire NBA. That's what I'm told is going to happen this time around. So it might be a nice little tune-up, and I'm not too far away. So put that one on your schedule at this point in time. All right, with all of that out of the way, we'll have the intro to this podcast, and I'll be back with Bill DeFilippo talking about the Eastern Conference, all kinds of teams on this first episode. We'll cover uh, five or six interesting teams on this podcast. So uh, stay tuned. Here's the intro, and we'll roll through the Eastern Conference. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Bill, welcome back to the podcast. I already introduced you before I brought you in, so no formal introduction for someone I work with every day of my life, but welcome back to the show. Thank you, Brad. It was a very nice introduction. I'm honored and I didn't hear any of it. Beautiful. That's what we like to see on this podcast. Uh, I will say, I told you this before we started recording, but your last appearance on the show was episode 1094, so about 200 episodes ago. And it was like in October-ish of last year, and the day that we talked about the East, which was actually the same topic as today. We talked about Ben Simmons showing up at the arena in Philadelphia unannounced that day in the preseason. And also the Nets basically sending Kyrie Irving home. 
a lot has changed since then. Well, listen, everything worked out for everyone involved in that, both of those situations. <laughs> so it's all good. Ben Simmons no longer on the Sixers, as we'll talk about uh, later and, on in this podcast. And I'll tell you this, Kyrie Irving certainly is getting paid by the Nets right now. Uh, I hope that between us recording this podcast and it being posted, he's not traded because that's the only thing that could possibly happen is a trade <laughs> involving like Donovan Mitchell or Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. Uh, that's kind of it as far as what would affect us, but that could happen. It's that time. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the Pacers know. involved. The Knicks could get in here. Maybe the Raptors somehow slide. We'll, we'll just really derail the entire hour and a half or whatever we're going to do here because the NBA decided after three weeks of not doing anything, now is finally the time to get going. As we record a podcast about the East. Yeah, that was almost certainly will happen. But uh, as I said before, I brought you in. We're going to talk about basically every team in the East in some form, some longer than others, I'm sure. We'll spend a lot of time on Indiana. As you referenced, that's the most sexy team in the league at this juncture. Um, But this first little uh, segment is going to be about the Atlantic division, I think. We're going to start at the top because, uh, unfortunately for Hawks fans that do not like the Celtics, the Celtics are the current betting favorite to win the East. They are the reigning Eastern Conference champions. And uh, I will say our friends at Ben Online actually have the Celtics over, off the board right now in terms mm. of over-unders because of the KD thing, I guess, yeah. because they were they had a number until the Jalen Brown KD thing happened, and then they took them off the board along with, by the way, the Knicks and the Nets and uh, the Jazz are all off the board at this point in time. But even without KD, Boston's pretty good. I mean, in the offseason, they basically ran back an Eastern Conference champion and got like notably better by adding Brogdon yeah. and, of course, Hawks' favorite, Diddle Gallinari, also a favorite of yours. Italian heritage. That's right. Uh, There it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, is Boston going to be as good or better? Because they seem like they're going to be better, but they were, I guess, only the quote unquote two seed last year. I I think they should. I mean, the thing that really makes me optimistic about this Boston team, beyond the fact that they added a guy in Malcolm Brogdon, who I think really helps with a lot of the stuff that we saw they needed to be better at uh, against the Golden State Warriors that kind of secondary ball handle, or even, can even be a primary ball handler for stretches of time. Uh, guy who can provide some more perimeter defense. Uh, Danilo Gallinari coming in, providing shooting, even if he's just a regular season innings eater. With how bad Boston was during the first half of last <laughs> season, yep. like it, it, it's weird. It's part of the narrative around them, just how bad that te- like it legitimately seemed like Ime Udoka might have been a one and done coach. It legitimately seemed like the calls to break up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum had more merit than maybe any other time. And then something just flipped. And down the last two, three months of the regular season, they for me, they were the best team in basketball. And they finished two games behind the Miami Heat with the 51 31 record. They're not going – unless they get some absolutely wretched injury luck, I don't think they're going to be that bad this year for really any stretch of time. So all, with all respect, mostly to Milwaukee, because they are the other team that I think is in this conversation, I think Boston is yeah. the clear-cut best team in the East. Yeah, I mean, I was actually there, so I remember this very, very, very clearly. But to your point about how much they struggled, and I think it's, it's not even been talked about enough, when they lost to the Hawks – on January 28th, they were 25 and 25. Mm-hmm. And then they ro- they rolled to 51 wins. Like It's really hard to go to 51 wins when you start 25 and 25. Like That's a very difficult thing to do. That means they, they lost won, six like, more games for the yeah, rest of the year. 
26 and six the rest of the way. And then, you know, playoff run was what it was. And, you know, I was skeptical of Boston last year uh, and looked to be right for a long time. And then I suddenly was not right anymore, but like their roster, like you said, like, you know, they're not necessarily infallible, but the depth that they have when you bring in Brogdon and, you know, again, Gallo is not fantastic at this point, but Gallo as your eighth man, ninth man mm-hmm. on the roster, like is a really good player to have around and he can shoot it in the way they need, of course. And Brogdon, you know, has injury stuff, but they don't even, they don't necessarily need Brogdon that badly to be that great. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he's overqualified for the role he's going to have. He might not even start on this team. Like they still have Marcus Smart, who's really good. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to praise Boston too much on this podcast because Hawks fans won't like it. But <laughs> well, uh, they're can, really good. Can, can I, can I push a potential reason why I'm a, just one little reason I'm concerned about them? 100. percent Bring it on. Al Horford was excellent last year. After, for all intents and purposes, redshirting the year before in Oklahoma City and having an entire year of just not putting any wear and tear on his body. Robert Williams, for how wonderful the basketball player he is, he is a guy who is prone to injury. Just what I think I'm interested in your thought on this, Brad, if Al Horford, if father time catches up to him a little bit, because he just went through all of last season, Robert Williams picks up two or three nagging injuries that kind of ride with him all year. That's the one way that I think they can go from the clear cut best team in the East to, okay, not as good as Milwaukee during the regular season, maybe not as good as Philly during the regular season, you know, talk real wild maybe not as good as the heat during the regular season but other than that i don't really have any concerns what about you no you're right i think that's that is the way if you want to find a a weakness barring just weird injury to tatum or brown or whatever it would be that because al who i love unconditionally you know still yes uh, he he was fantastic in the playoffs he was fantastic regular season once he found his groove but you know he's he's my age and i'm not a young man bill so it is um I would say almost safe to assume that Al will not be quite as good next year, even with uh, just regular aging curve stuff beyond anything else. And Robert Williams, I, I agree, like has been really good when he's played, but had the knee thing and whatever else. And, you know, Daniel Tice is not like the greatest basketball player in the world, but that was their one opportunity cost to getting Brogdon was trading Tice away. And he's, again, not, you do that trade every time, every single time. Yes. But Tice is a very, very solid backup center. They don't really have that guy now. Like, it's Grant Williams, who's six six or whatever, but he and he, he can he can do it. But you know they don't have a ton of depth there because Gallo might play some center for them, but defensively mm-hmm. he can't do anything on, on the back line. So like, you know, in theory Gallo takes that roster spot, that rotation spot. But if something if something were to happen to Al as far as decline or injury and Robert Williams, then you're in some trouble because you only have you don't really have much else. Yeah, and, and it is important to stress um, Daniel Tice will somehow find a way to get back on the ball. I'm sure he will. They, hell they or will. high water, and this will all sound ridiculous, but uh, <laughs> yeah. They absolutely love uh, Daniel Tice. Okay, you're on, you're on record, Bill. Uh, I think I think you just picked Boston. I'll, 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 we'll wait till the end. You can come back and re- re- sort of refute that if you want to. But they do have the highest over-under for a reason. They are going to be very good, and if they get KD, it's all another discussion, which that could happen at yes. some point, too. Uh, All right, before we get to the rest of the Atlantic, a quick word to hear from our sponsors on the podcast. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all of your sports betting needs at this point. Find all the latest and all of your favorites, honestly. Sports and events are the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. They have a ton of future-facing action as well. Football season is now huge, of course, in the sports betting space, the NFL, college football, futures, and much more. And NBA stuff is open now. Win totals, conference futures, NBA finals futures, etc. Find reviews and the news of all the leagues that you're interested in. That includes baseball, of course. 
NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, rugby, entertainment bets, and much more. And BetOnline also has the number one source for all the wagering information that you might want. That includes live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. And they have other things available to you that might be interesting if you, depending on what you prefer in the betting space. That includes casino games, poker, and other ways that you can possibly get on the action at this point, head about online right now on your computer, computer or mobile device and learn more about all of the trends and the action happening today, but online where the game starts. All right, Bill, Philadelphia 76ers, who I kind of think are like your team, even though they're really not. Like I, I think I think of them as your I think of them as your NBA team because you don't really have an NBA team like on that in that same way that you're like a Penn State guy. You don't have a Penn State level NBA affiliation, but the Sixers are kind of your team, right? Am I uh, lying here? Not really. I mean, I, I you don't, I, you don't I know have I, one. I, I don't have one. I just know a lot of Sixers fans, which is why I'm saying going <laughs> by nature going past it. And like I, I'm like I've been a huge Joel Embiid fan from the time he was in college. So the fact that he's on this team, like I, you know, I want to see him do well because he's a he's a fun basketball player. He's also a great poster, so he provides content for us on a regular basis. Joel right. is uh, arguably the number one content producer in the NBA for uh, for the laughs. So there's that. <laughs> That's we right. like that about Joel. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I, other than trolling you, uh, Philly is going to be good again. Their over-under is 50 and a half right now at BetOnline. That is uh, a lot of wins for any basketball team. And actually, you know, last year they won exactly that. They won 50, 51 games. And I think that, you know, there was a lot of discussion and there probably will be more discussion about like how they got the Harden thing done. There's some tampering things going on there. But they basically swap out uh, Danny Green, who got injured anyway, unfortunately, we, we love Danny Green, and DeAndre Jordan for P.J. Tucker, DeAnthony Milton, and Daniel House. Uh, that is an upgrade. You could say yes. press, the, press the upgrade button on that for Philly. So, like, it, on paper, it's like, why is there over under the same now as it was last year? And I think the only way to maybe square that is actually to bring up Joel because he was so good – uh, obviously MVP level and like was deserving of, I mean, I know he didn't win, but he would have been deserving to win it. Um, is this kind of a bet against Joel repeating that? Or is it just like a hard skepticism or like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to make it because obviously on paper, they're better than they were last year. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I wonder how much of it is just like people not buying the, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, propaganda coming out of Philly about how uh, James Harden is taking this offseason seriously and looking better than ever. When we saw with our eyes, uh, it's a, a point that I've seen plenty of people make, heard plenty of people make. Like Philly thought they were getting a top five player in the NBA with James Harden. And if they got a top 15 to 20 player in the NBA with James Harden, they're still going to be a very good team. They're still going to be a playoff team. They're just not going to have any chance of being the best competing for a championship anything like that so i do you're saying about you know mb god if mb can do 31 points 12 rebounds four <laughs> assists one and a half blocks and one steal a game again god bless that man but it feels like that should come down to earth a bit it feels like hardens in don't say what you're going to do show what you're going to do mode and i you know candidly i think that's a correct place to be with james harden at this point yeah but for all of that I think Philly, I you know, I'm like everyone. I think they knocked this summer out of the park. I think P.J. Tucker next to Embiid, bringing uh, some switching, bringing some toughness, some tenacity, uh, a guy who knows how to play with Harden, a guy who's going to knock down threes, was a really good addition. I don't know if I love it at three for 30 million when he's 37 years old right now, but 
I don't get paid to make those decisions. I think I'm like every person who has watches basketball and has a Twitter account. And I love the Anthony Melton. And I think he's a really good, he's a really good guard to have next to either Tyrese Maxey or James Harden in most situations. I would think, I don't know if I'd play all three of them at the same time. That's not a particularly big backcourt, but neither here nor there. And I think Daniel house is, you know, the kind of switchy three and D wing that they just did not have last year. So I think this is going to be a very good basketball team. I don't think they are as good of a team as Boston, but on the whole, man, it's not a perfect team. I still don't know how many guys second or third down the depth chart other than Melton. I really trust for them, but that starting five Maxi Harden, Tobias Harris, PJ Tucker, Joel Embiid, whatever it looks like they're going to go into every game and they're going to give Philly a chance to win. Yeah, I love Melton. Part part of why I like what they did so much is that I've always loved Melton. And look, listen, PJ Tucker might just fall off a cliff. It's like PJ Tucker is an old man, but if he is the guy he was last year, like he helps them so much. It's not. I mean, it's mm-hmm. he's such a valuable playoff player, and he's a guy they just haven't had on this team like that role. Um, you know, him and Tobias are like similar size, but Tobias, you know, being kind of slotted back into what he probably should be doing rather than what he has been asked mm-hmm. to do as the primary defender of those kind of big forwards. I don't know. I like what they did. We'll see. You know, and I think the two big factors is like the most obvious thing in the world. It's like okay, can Embiid stay healthy and do what he did again? And also, how good is James Harden? And you touched on that, but it's like, that's it. I mean, Philly can't win the title without those two things being good and good. Like, they could be really good, you know, if, if Embiid is 90% of himself and Harden is just a pretty good, you know, fringe star little player. They'll still be really good. They just can't win yeah. the title. So it's and, like, you know. And the thing that I, you know, to kind of contradict myself, the thing that I sometimes forget about with Harden was – Last season before, not not last season, year before that, when he heard before he hurt his hamstring, his time with Houston was just a wash. He goes to Brooklyn, and he played so well that there was legitimately a question of is James Harden going to appear on MVP ballots? So, like, I don't think this is a guy who is completely totally washed. I think there's still something in him. I think that hamstring needs to get healthy. Again, I can't blame anyone for betting against him, but maybe this is something I just have to remind myself is that we're a little more than a year removed from James Harden going to Brooklyn and looking like one of the best players in basketball. Yeah, that's not far away. Uh, I should also say the words Tyrese Maxey out loud in this discussion at some point. Yeah, he's, he's really very good. good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was I was all in on Maxey in the draft. That proves to be, I think, correct at this point. But uh, I will say just a little bit of cold water. Like he, he shot the heck out of the ball last year. That's probably not like a hundred percent real. I was like 43% from three for the full season. I don't know. I mean, they, they do, they do lose a little bit of juice from what they've had at certain spots, but they are better overall for sure. And uh, I hope that they're good. I mean, I, I just for, I know as many foot, uh, not as many Philly fans as you do necessarily, but I, I root for my Philly, my Philly fan friends to like have success. Like my, like, like my, like my, Mike Levine, like just needs it. Just deep south. Yeah. It's my guy. Sixers fans are definitely among the NBA's best fan bases at keeping all of us entertained. So that is, that is hundred percent true. Um, Okay. Moving on from there is the, the, let's just do the very, very weirdest team next. Oh God. And it's the Brooklyn Nets. (laughs) So like, uh, I will say this. So uh, here, here, let me, let me ask you, can we even have a conversation about the Brooklyn Nets? Because Lord knows what they're going to look like in five minutes. 
Agree. No, I, I was actually going to set this up for you because uh, on July 21st, you and I were working together that day and you wrote a piece called, so what if the Nets just keep, just keep Kevin Durant? And like, that's possible. They might keep Kevin Durant because they just might just decide we're not trading you, Kevin. And I don't, I don't think Kevin Durant's going to not show up. Correct. I don't Now He, he might, but he likes to play basketball. Kevin Durant likes basketball. Unlike Ben Simmons who doesn't like basketball. So uh, he doesn't, uh, I'm just saying, but no, uh, I think that KD, if you're picking a superstar that wouldn't just not show up, KD would be pretty high on the list for me. I, I think he just likes to play basketball. So, like, that's yeah. possible. And also, they could move him. They kind of built their offseason, which you got into in that piece, which could be read at uprocks.com slash sports or dime. Um, they kind of built a team, like, around Kevin Durant, and he's not there. Like, they went and got Royce O'Neal, and, like, they, they, they went – TJ Warren's on this team. Right. They traded a first round pick for Royce O'Neal five minutes after Kevin Durant's trade request went public. I mean, let's, let's just say this now. There is there is no chance that deal wasn't already done. Correct. Right? Correct. There's no chance that deal wasn't already done. It's still it's still very funny. The, the way it came out was the funniest thing imaginable because Royce O'Neal, who I like, isn't worth a first round pick. Like, I like Royce O'Neal. He, that was an overpay even when they had Kevin Durant on the team. So, like, I don't know. This team is so weird. They did lose Bruce Brown to Denver. Um, mm-hmm. They lose Andre Drummond, who's actually pretty good for them last year. I'm not the biggest Drummond guy, but it's a backup center. That was a nice yeah. guy to have on your roster. Um, TJ Warren is like a giant question mark. Who the heck knows? He was available for basically nothing for a reason because he has not played in two years. But if he's good, he's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can't really talk about them because it's like, okay, they're either, either going to have Kevin Durant on the team and they'll be really good or they're going to trade Kevin Durant for Shrug. I mean, if they had Jalen Brown on the team with with Kyrie, they'd be good. I don't know how good they'd be. They'd be, very they'd good. be good. The, uh, there's one point I want to add to the part that you threw out there about Kevin Durant not sitting out. And I, I completely agree with you. I don't think he's the kind of guy that would sit out in large part because he just loves playing basketball. But think of how many things we've heard over the last however many years about how kind of what's the word aware Kevin Durant is of the conversation around him of how people view his legacy how you know one reason that he didn't like what was going on in Golden State was you know it was kind of viewed of he joined them and they won titles with him and there was I believe there was a report that Golden State winning a title this year kind of accelerated his request for a trade because it made him go oh they won one before I won one and you put that stuff together, and I just don't think a guy that cognizant of his legacy and how he is viewed by basketball fans and basketball public would go, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to take my ball and go home and maybe free to trade. That just, like, it, that just doesn't add up for me with the complete understanding that I've been wrong about many things before in my life. But <laughs> like you mentioned, you look at this Nets team and – Joe Harris and Joe Harris's health, especially, is a pretty major question mark over all of this. But Royce O'Neal is a solid three and D wing. TJ Warren, he's a question mark, but I also think he's a low risk, high reward guy. With the, I believe they got him on the minimum, and he's going to just come in and give them some scoring punch on the perimeter outside of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, which was a huge issue last year. Because down the stretch of the season, once Kyrie Irving was able to play. Brooklyn's entire plan was basically, all right, Kevin and Kyrie, just go 
go figure something out. We're going to play you 40 minutes a night. And by the time they got to the play and you could just tell that neither guy, KD especially, didn't have his legs. Like, I think Nick Claxton is a really interesting and talented big man. I love Kessler Edwards. I think he's a really interesting three and D guy. Patty Mills is Patty Mills. Edmund Sumner, I think is a nice roll of the dice. And then, you know, there's the huge question mark of what, if anything, are they going to get out of Ben Simmons? But like the pieces are here. If Kevin Durant has a moment of clarity and decides he wants to stick around, if, uh, you know, we go far enough down the road and the Lakers decide they're not throwing in two picks to get Kyrie Irving uh, <laughs> in exchange for Russell Westbrook. If they run this back, I could see this Nets team being very, very, very good. Yeah. Of course, I also no. don't think they're going to run this back. Yeah, so. I, I don't. I don't need. I, I think if I had to guess now, you know, we're guessing. It is what it is. Um, I think they'll they'll probably move KD during camp or early in camp or something like that. But if they don't, I mean, you're you laid it out there. I didn't do a good job of this earlier, but like people have kind of forgotten how kind of loaded they are if they're healthy and have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on their team because Ben Simmons is a shrug at this point, but he's Ben Simmons. Like, I think he's going to play, and he's still a talented guy. Joe mm-hmm. Harris is back. Royce O'Neal, like you said. Nick Claxton got signed. They have Seth Curry, who's a bomber. He's still on this mm-hmm. roster. They have Patty Mills. Um, it's mostly offensive talent, but, like, Warren can play defensive. He's around. Kessler, um, you know, Dayron Sharp is, like, kind of a guy at this point. Like, yeah. I know uh, they kind of have this extra scoring guard in Cam Thomas, who I've never been the biggest fan of, but he can get a bucket for you if you need one. So, like, I don't know. I think if, KD might look around and be like, this might be my best chance to win this year at some point mm-hmm. in October, November. Cause like if Kyrie's around too, like they're still pretty good. I don't know. I it's agree. a, there's a reason why there's no, why there's no over under though. Cause because there's no way to yeah. no around this team. It's like, you have to have two different ones. It's like, okay, if KD opens the season, this is the number. And then and they're never going to do that. So. Well, no. And then there also, there would have to be, if KD opens the season, uh, if KD doesn't, but Kyrie is still here, if neither of them are still here. If they get draft picks back, if they get, uh, yeah. players back right away like there are just so many directions this way can go like it, it's you know for uh us in the content game who just want some stupid things to happen in the nba uh, we'd prefer sooner rather than later uh but you know finding figuring out what this brooklyn team is going to be is going to be you know it's going to be fun over the next month and a half let us go to toronto because sure they're a lot. They're the, almost the exact opposite of Brooklyn in that they didn't do really anything different. Um, they they signed Otto, they signed Otto Porter. Uh, that was their big splash from the outside. Like they had they brought they brought Thad Young back. They brought Chris Boucher back. Um, they had a draft pick in Christian Coloco, who I kind of like, but he's a rookie. They didn't really do much, but they were good last year. I think almost underratedly good last year. And I think that you know another year of Scotty Barnes, etc. They're the team, by the way, and we're, gonna, we're saving the Hawks talk till the end of this conversation and probably you know, part two or three or whatever it is going to be. But um, they're the team that's projected to be the closest to the Hawks right now in the East by over-unders. And I think if you look under the hood a little bit, like they had guys miss some games. like They, they have some depth questions for sure, but they're if they're, if they're right and they're healthy, they're pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that. It feels like their big bet is that Another year of Scotty Barnes, another year of OG Ananobi, another year of Gary Trent Jr., Precious Achua, all these Malachi Flynn, even if you want to, if you are still a believer go in Aztecs. Malachi Flynn. Go, go, Aztecs. go Aztecs, that's right. Uh, easily the best uh, for Aztec in the NBA last season. Uh, 
if you put all that stuff together mixed with what we know Pascal Siakam at his best and Fred Van Vliet at his best are, and both of those guys are, you know, they're, they're fringe all-stars in the Eastern Conference, but they're still all-stars in the Eastern Conference. If all those young guys get 5 to 10% better, maybe Barnes takes a little bit more considerable of a leap just because of how young he is. They're a really dangerous, really tough basketball team. I mean, I still, like, just one of these days, I want the Toronto Raptors to employ a center. Uh, after winning a title with Marcus Saul, it seems like uh, <laughs> Nick Nurse thought it would be, like, had decided he just wants to go switch all over the place if you're between there, six foot five and six foot nine, we'll employ you. But th- there were some reports out there that they kind of were looking for a center, but I think they, I think they want like a, a, a guy, like a capital G guy. And like mm-hmm. those guys weren't available to them. It was like if they right. made a deal, it was going to be for maybe like they were kind of whispered about for Aiton for a minute at one point. Like if they Love were that. to that kind of stuff, like it would have to be a real guy. I, I think they're either going to play this way or they're going to have like a top 10 center. And it's like with nothing in between. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of with you. Though. I'd be interested to see what it looks like because, look, their defense is really good as it is. And like Thad Young, I I love, and he can play center for them defensively. They still have OG, who only played like 40, yeah, 48 games last year. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that Toronto needs another a little bit of depth for me, mm-hmm. but like their top seven is really good, uh, and that's they're banking on that. They kind of drove on that last year and they earned their 48 wins. Like they were a 47 win point differential team. Like that was not, that was not a fake 48 wins. That was a real team. And if anything, you would say that most of their guys are on the right side of the Asian curve. Like maybe the concern yeah. would be that like maybe Van Fleet levels off a little bit, but you know, Scotty Barnes is 2021 20, Gary Trent's 23 ish, 24. Like they have some room to grow still. And you know, Barnes, I've never been the highest in Scotty Barnes, but like he was a lot better than I thought he was going to be as a rookie. Maybe he's even yeah. better next year. And I, you mentioning that reminded me that Nick Nurse was just an insane person with minutes allocation last year. So I am now pulling this up. Last, guys, year, pa- <laughs> last year, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, Vliet, Fred Van Vliet, there we go, both played 37.9 minutes a game. OG Ananobi play, played 36. Scotty Barnes played 35.4. Gary Trent Jr. played 35. The next guy who wasn't uh, covid uh, spot player for them was Precious Achua at 23.6 minutes per game. No, I mean, if, if OG qualify, I looked, I looked I actually for a piece I wrote, I think of sports line, something like that. I, I looked this up. If OG had qualified, but he, but he didn't quite qualify, they would have had five of the top 15 minutes per game guys in the league on their roster. <sighs> yeah. And, uh, even without, even without that, they had four of the top, I, I look at it now, it's four of the top 14 and three of the top nine. Pascal and Fred tied for the league lead in minutes per game. Yeah, I mean, the good the good news for them is that Otto Porter, Chris Boucher, Precious Achua as guys off the bench are three like very nice bench pieces. Um, I, I don't know if I'm a big believer in Malachi Flynn. You know, Delano Banton is a nice basketball player. They like they do need if they are going to get reinforcements somewhere, I think it has to be in their backcourt, but at the very least Scotty Pascal and OG, I don't think are going to play that many minutes again, which like, you know, congratulations to their various ligaments, tendons, tendons, (laughs) muscles, and other various things. Yeah. You would think, um, no, I think that's, you know, their over under is 45 and a half. That seems kind of right to me. And they're right next to the Hawks and we'll see if those teams battle. 
the one thing I will say about Toronto is they seem to me like a team that might overperform that if only because I expect them to go out every single night and play as hard as they possibly can and try to win as many. Like, I don't think this is a team that's going to have a ton of nights off. Maybe they have off nights, but I don't think they're going to be games where you could just tell Scotty Barnes isn't bringing it. You could just tell Fred isn't bringing it. You could just tell OG, like that sort of thing. So if they overperform it, overperform that number i think that's probably why they do it but if they just are you know chill i guess is the word uh i i think that's about right and they they never are chill so there's there's uh there's that um all right one more team and they're also off the board in the atlantic division is the knicks uh this one is a little bit less clear as to why they're off the board than kevin durant so i'll just say this it's because of donovan mitchell is why they're off the board that's the only reason why um there's enough smoke there where that's uh that at least prompted vegas to pull the numbers off the board uh the knicks are fascinating in that Mm -hmm. it felt like they were just terrible last year and they still won 37 games and had like a neutral point differential and they weren't that much worse than the year before. As crazy as that sounds, like what, like metric-wise, they were kind of similar yeah. to the team that was like the four seed the year before. Um, and obviously, they, they changed things up with Jalen Brunson. That's the big. Uh, that's the big change for the Knicks. But like all the caveats apply, they could still trade for Donovan and trade a lot of stuff for him. Um, if they don't do that in the near future, it's basically the same team plus. Jalen Brunson and Isaiah Hartenstein minus Alec Burks. And that's kind of yeah. it. I mean, they, they, Norwin Sewell was like kind of around. Taj Gibson somehow is no longer on the team with tips. That's bizarre. But they're, <laughs> uh, they should be, in my mind, they are better on paper. But this conference is really loaded. So I don't know how good they are. This conference, this division is really loaded. And one thing that I would feel really optimistic about with the Knicks if basically any other human was their coach, was R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, Quentin Grimes are all super, super young dudes. And I would bet on to one extent or another, you know, maybe R.J. a little less so because he has uh, he's been in the NBA for a minute and then more for the Quentin Grimes and uh, Emmanuel Quickly type guys. I would bet on major internal development and that mixed with Brunson mixed with, you know, Julius Randall, you know, whatever was going on with Julius Randall last season, Ward knows what the hell was going on with him last year. Um, Yeah. That leveling out a little bit and the Knicks having a team where they have, you know, one dude, you know, nine, 10, 11, whatever it is, NBA players on it. I don't think Tibbs is wired that way. Uh, I don't think he, uh, you know, I think he'll put, he's the kind of guy who will put Quentin Grimes out there and he'll miss a defensive rotation and then not play for the next five games because that's just what Tibbs does. But like you mentioned, Brad, the amount of talent that this team has, they could be a very solid basketball team. I, liked the Brunson deal it's one of those deals that I think sounded like a lot now but in two or three years when we have a you know the cap goes up a bit and you can pay guys a little more money I think it's going to look a lot more reasonable uh I wish they had you know maybe Quentin Grimes is that dude I wish they had someone with a little bit more defensive uh tenacity next to him in the backcourt instead of Evan Fournier I don't 
you know, other than RJ Barrett, who is going to be asked to do a lot. And then, you know, even then, you, 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 know, who, you know, who isn't that guy, Bill? Is it Cam Reddish? Uh, Donovan Mitchell is what I was going to say. Uh, Donovan Donald Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. That, that, that's I, not I, I, I was going to say, I, I Cam, Cam Reddish is on this team and I thought, Maybe I just forgot about him. Cam is, I did. Cam is uh, this is a Hawks podcast, which we say Cam is still on the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, he was very openly shocked by the Knicks in the offseason. Like it wouldn't stun me if they traded him before the season starts, but Cam is still on this roster and uh, a former lottery talent. I know Hawks fans still kind of believe in him. Some, some, some people do. I mean, I still think he's young enough where he could help them, but like, it's like him and Tibbs but, doesn't ever make sense to me. So well, that's, that's <laughs> the entire thing. Like any path to him helping the Knicks out is dependent on him. Like, playing and learning and being developed by a coach who's willing to say here's a talented 21 year old you know what I mean and I just don't think he's going to get that but yeah. I do like Brunson I like RJ Barrett I think he is a nice step forward in him I like Mitchell Robinson Julius Randall's Julius Randall Lord knows what you're going to get out of him and then Emmanuel quickly Quentin Grimes Obi Toppin Isaiah Hartenstein are all guys who I think are solid NBA players three of them very well might be on their way to Utah but if we have the exact same Knicks team in terms of what they put on the floor next year I wouldn't be particularly stunned but if I have to bet on one side of the coin or the other I would probably bet on them being a little bit better yeah I mean they they are better I think on paper the Randall thing is so weird like I think he is very obviously better than last year and worse than the year before but I don't know where that yeah. lands him. You know what I mean? Like he was never as good as he was two years ago when he made every every mid ranger all season long. It was just a weird season. And last year it was terrible. He's not he's not terrible. He's a good player. So it's yeah, like I, he was he was he wasn't just an all star the year before. He was what like I there was a a little bit of like oh Julius deserves it. He's been around for he was legitimately one of the guy one of the 12, 15 best players in the Eastern Conference the year before. Like he was very he was really, good. He, he was got very, that. Team. He got that team to the playoffs and, you know, playoffs get there and they run into a team that listeners of this podcast are very familiar with, which kind of <laughs> uh, messed them up. But like, he's a good player. And I think if he can, uh, you know, if he goes from a guy who shoots 41, he shot 41% from the floor last year after shooting 45%, 46% basically from the floor the year before, 31% from three last year from 41% from three the year before just looks so much more engaged on both sides of the floor, floor two years ago. If he can tap back into being that guy, like that's the kind of boost that the, that actually can get the Knicks going from basically a repeat of last season to firmly in the playoff picture. Yeah. And that, that sounds about right to me. Uh, normally I might make you pick the order of these teams, but considering the presence of Brooklyn and New York, it is essentially impossible. So we've, I, we've covered. Yeah. If, how about this? If the Nets do make a huge trade and are willing to uh, what, what's, what, struggle for a bit, I'll say. Uh, Boston, uh, Philly, Toronto, Brooklyn, New York. If they don't make that trade, uh, I, I'd say flip Brooklyn and uh, flip Brooklyn and Toronto, and then Brooklyn's really. Could we yeah. push for one of those times? I was gonna I was gonna say, I mean, I think the 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 thing for me really is like picking between Philly and Brooklyn if if Brooklyn mm -hmm. still has Katie and Kyrie on the team. If they're both yeah. on the team and playing, and apparently Kyrie's gonna be eligible to play all season, I don't know. Uh I think with, with the way that they're doing the mandate or not mandate, he's gonna be able to play, it looks like. So it's like if they're on the team on opening night, that's a really good team. 
I mean, that's... I think Philly's probably a little bit safer just because of how much they're going to rely on those guys. But I, I do think that that's, that's really the battle. And then you get into – I think the Knicks are the worst team on paper in the division, but the Knicks are not a bad basketball team. The other divisions yeah. in the East have some bad teams on them. The Knicks don't really have – they're not bad. I don't, they're not necessarily that great, in my opinion, but that's like a 35 to 43 win basketball team, somewhere in there. It's like something yeah. like middle, yeah, middle. So anyway, Bill, thank you for joining me on this part of this podcast. Uh, I'm going to let you sign off with uh, plugging yourself on every single one of these. So please tell people where they can find your work because uh, it's on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. But if you're not and you're listening to the podcast, where can they find you? Uh, yes, follow uh, everything <laughs> I, I, I do on Twitter at Bill DeFilippo. Um, go State. Everything. Yes, go State. Um, I, the, the, this worked out. Uh, the last time uh, I did this, but if anyone is an Atlanta Hawks and uh, Penn State sports fan, uh, by all means, please let me know. Um, Jason, shout out to you uh, and follow uh, my Penn State podcast over at Warlines Roar. And then please make sure you're uh, following along with everything I have going on and Brad has going on over on Dime uh, and Uprock Sports. Thank you for doing this, Bill. We'll have more with Bill in the very near future. Please subscribe. Check out Bill's content. Even if you don't like Penn State, subscribe and download the podcast. And then just delete it. It's fine. It's easy. Subscribe and download. Listen, it helps with sponsors and stuff. So That's, what, I, that's what I'm saying. All right. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast as well. And we'll see you next time.